Hello and welcome to uh, volume three of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast and ECW. This month, volume one is the WWF and that title match at the Royal Rumble. And WCW is that title match on Nitro. But we are here in ECW to discuss all things TV and guilty as charged. I am joined, first off, by one of my usual cohorts, Mr. Billy Johnson. How the devil are we? Uh, good, thank you, Chris, and uh, good evening to you, Ryan. And newcomer and first person or first show timey, Ryan Swanson. Ryan, how the devil are we? I am excellent today. Thank you so much for having me on. You're more than welcome. We love bringing new blood into the show, getting outside perspective, and especially from someone in the states, there's a more chance that they've actually were at the show, so they can give us sort of real life live feedback. From what it's like in the arena. So, first things first, Billy, let's have some news. And new ECW world champion. That's right. Taz beats Shane Douglas at the pay-per-view to win the title. More on this later in the show. New York TV is back. So, after lots and lots of fucking about and handbagging around getting something done... Finally, as of the 2nd of January, ECW reverns, revern, returns even to TV in New York on the MSG network with a wonderful 1 a.m. Saturday morning time slot. Top star gets restless. So Shane Douglas called several people before the pay-per-view looking for advice on whether he should actually show up to the show or even quit. He was dismissive that Paul Heyman had told him that he would be retaining the title originally against Taz, only to have them, his match changed a few days later leading into the show. Douglas' feelings apparently were, as he portrayed his character as a coward, he needed to win at the pay-per-view, whereas if he was going to lose to Taz, he would have done his character much stronger going into the pay-per-view. Douglas probably would have left ECW if he'd had any other options, he did not want to go to the Fed, as obviously he left on bad terms. And I don't think he would want to go to WCW, seeing the fact that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are there, and they don't like him. Sabu unhappy. So, rumours are of the 7th of January, Sabu quit ECW, according to reports, because of how the ECW-FNW relationship is being handled. Sabu believed Heyman not following through on filing the correct paperwork so Tanaka could get to the pay-per-view meant that he was jeopardising their relationship and jeopardising his tours of Japan. Lots of ECW wrestlers didn't appear at last month's FNW tour of Japan, and since Sabu has had a long-term relationship there, which is formed in part by his uncle, the original Sheik, he didn't want to cause any more fuss. Sources believe that an offer between 200,000 and 300,000 was handed out by WCW, but Sabu's uncle advised him not to jump ship as he would just do jobs on WCW. It is believed that Heyman and Sabu worked it out 
before the pay-per-view and Heyman appeared comfortably pushing Sabu again. So I would say it's not all as bad as we thought. Not what they remember. So the public enemy have returned and were disappointed with the reaction they received at the ECW arena. Although they got a good pop when they initially came out on the January 16th show, when they went into the crowd to dance, only about a third of the fans waved their arms. Uh, there's lots of fans who attend ECW aren't the same that were there a few years ago when the public enemy were last about. Those that remain may not have forgiven the public enemy for becoming a jobber tag team in WCW. They're not locked to any ECW contracts and they may only stay with the ECW for a few months with talks of a WWF move in the pipeline. At this point, it looks as though they are going to be here just to do the job and establish the Dudleys and then be on their way. Some stability in ECW. So Heyman has been saving everyone in ECW is now signed to a contract that includes Lance Storm and RVD, who had missed a few house shows, but this was because they were ironing out contracts. That's New Jack. Yep, New Jack is in the news again, this time getting in a bar fight the night before the pay-per-view in St. Merv's, Florida. When the police arrived on scene, they ran his name through the criminal database and found Jerome Young was had an outstanding murder charge against him. Eventually, they found out that it was a different Jerome Young and let him go. Oh, New Jack. <laughs> So, anything out of the news that takes your fancy, Ryan? Um, the New Jack thing, absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of, of bar fights and wrestlers doing crazy newsworthy things because everybody takes note of when a wrestler, somebody who's perceived in the States, at least in the metro area where I am, as kind of a violent individual, it kind of brings credibility to the product when wrestlers do, do bad things, regardless of uh, what most people would think, to see an, a, a human being act in a professional fashion. I kind of admire the uh, delinquency of, <laughs> of wrestlers. It's, it's the one thing with New Jack, that, you know, why I never want him to leave ECW, because at least there's always a story. Exactly. There's always something that he will do. And, you know, you just think that the Fed or WCW might, take that out of him and try and you know make him oh so corporate whereas you know why wouldn't you go and start scrapping in a pub the night before a show he's truly iconic for the ecw brand like when somebody says ecw he's he's one of the first people i think of anything you fancy out of this billy oh yeah let's let's talk about ecw contracts shall we um okay ecw uh you're now offering contracts i, I I'd love to know what these contracts uh, are all about. Um, obviously, they do need to sign down some guys because uh, fear of losing them to the competition. But uh, where is the money coming from from all of this? Uh, obviously, the pay-per-views are doing okay, but it does make me question where the money, Paul Heyman, is uh, able to get the money to sign these guys down. Well, they've, they've got to be getting some some money in from somewhere because obviously the there's constant sellouts at all the events the wrestling thing is booming they're not going to be on big money deals like a fed star or 
sort of mid card WCW people are going to be on. No, so no. I don't think I don't think we're sort of breaking the bank here with the contract levels, but I think the more the fact that they've got something signed on a bit of paper that says that they're going to be there for X period of time, and when the Fed or WCW come sniffing around, they've then got to buy them out of their contract, and Heyman makes some money. I think that's more of it than that. There's sort of you know big money on the table. Right, so he signed a napkin then. Is that what you're trying to tell me, Chris? I'm not saying that. I'm just <laughs> saying that as in, you know, we in England know that football contracts aren't worth the paper they're printed on. Very true. If someone, <laughs> if someone wants you, they will just go, well, there's your transfer fee or buy your contract out and you're going anyway. So it's just, it, it's just that level of compensation that would be there if, you know, someone came sniffing around RVD or the Dudleys or Shane Douglas and went, well, we're taking him, but here's here's a few quid to, you know, go sort yourself out afterwards. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I can I can see your point on that. Was there anything else in the news, either of you? I um, what I what I really liked about the uh, this is the first show that we're talking about where uh, we had Francine and Shane Douglas and. Uh, and Taz in the ring. When Francine first came out, I didn't think she was wearing anything. <laughs> we will go into that in a minute. We are about to go into the TV for the month. But first things first, have to do the obligatory Patreon plug. As always, if you want exclusive extra shows, $5 a month gets you them. This month for January, there are four Royal Rumble watch-alongs. Oh no, free Royal Rumble watch alongs and the NXT special. One dollar a month gets you early access to all the shows, and all of it is much, much appreciated as it keeps the costs down for us to give you a show every month. So we open up with the first week's TV, opening with Funk coming in and berating Tommy Dreamer during his match against Justin. Joey tells us that they are back on the MSG network. And this brings out Shane Douglas, and you'll hear that promo now. We are just about a week away from Sunday night, January 10th. ECW guilty as charged, live on pay-per-view. And we've got a problem. The problem is we've got no challenger for this man. Please welcome a company by the
a freak, Sabu would not make it to January 10th. Guilty as charged. All right, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being a goddamn suit in this business. Consistently, I have been the greatest world champion in this business, in this sport, in the last five years. on my back and I brought it back to life not only by being the greatest wrestler in this sport but also by having a plan every goddamn time I walk the aisle. I told ECW Sabu would not make it to the 10th and I enlisted the help of your hometown boy, Tad. I told him he do the price, I pay the price. I want Taz out here now because I got a whole lot of stuff I want to give Taz for taking that scarred up freak off my ass for the 10th. I want Taz. I want Taz. I want Taz. I want Taz. Champion! 
Shane tells us that Sabu won't be at the pay-per-view and calls out Taz. He says he doesn't need cash, the ass, or the triple threat. He just wants the title at the pay-per-view. We then get an awesome match between Pablo Marquez and Tajiri, which sees Tajiri win after hitting a brainbuster. We then get Super Crazy going against Alfez de Norte, Super Crazy winning after a sit-out powerbomb in an awesome Lucha Libre-style match. Main event of the evening sees RVD going against Skull Von Crush. RVD wins after the Van Daminator. Another decent match, and surprisingly, by the level of Skull Van Crush, that you can get a good match out of him. We end the show with Lance coming out telling us that Jerry Ling is injured and Mikey's run away, so he has no one to fight. This brings out Little Spike Dudley, who hits an acid drop and gets the pin in no time at all. So, Ryan, I will start with you. Um, that first week's TV, obviously you were saying about Francine coming out with Shane looking like she is literally wearing fuck all. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it it, uh, it was it was fascinating because I mean like I'm used to Francine on like not wearing anything, but she really went out all in, all in this time, and uh, it, it's nice it's nice to see someone you know so respectable for themselves. But you know you gotta do what you gotta do for the ECW product. I I was a little I was a little perturbed by um Shane Douglas trying to auction her off to to Taz as like a a token of his appreciation. That was that was the only thing that got me in that segment, but uh, I did I did love Taz on on the mic. He's a natural on the mic to me. Yeah, the the thing with Taz, especially the last sort of six to eight months, is he stopped trying to be a wrestling character as such. He's being just a badass that's out for himself and just wants to you know win things and beat people up. Yeah, and, exactly it seems very much that that's not far from the real guy. Yep. So it seems much easier for him to do. Cause obviously I remember going back to when we started this with ECW back in the 93, 94 time when Taz was the Tasmaniac, this, you know, monster from the, from the Amazon that, you know, would just come out and be an animal and just think he's gone from that to being, an MMA fighter, which obviously is the new, the new big thing, but a shoot fighter and very much that seems to be him. And he's very comfortable with that. And I think when you find your niche, like Taz has done in the last year, mm. it just makes him so much better. And yep. I can only see more coming for him now that they've given him the world title. Cause it's surprising that in all the, Obviously, we'll spoil you a little bit because we go. Obviously, wins at the pay per view, but the mm. fact that he's been with the company since the beginning, and it's only now that he's got that belt. But you can see where it's come from, and the fact that he he has earned it. Yeah, it was a it was a truly fascinating transition in the past uh, four years from watching the show to see him go from Tasmaniac, this uncaged animal, to like. So it's kind of just regular Joe in like 96-ish until he started fighting Sabu and became this like shoot fighter type of deal. And it, it was it was cool to see like a, a shoot fighter of like his stature and the, the labels that they were giving him with the suplexes and 
Joey giving all the Japanese names for the things he was doing. It really identified him as a, a character and a, a staple of the company. And I'm glad he accomplished what he did because he was good at what he did. So, Billy, anything on the, the Taz and Shane segment? Uh, I suppose they cleared it all up now. I was a bit um, like perplexed last month watching last month's TV, really not knowing the direction that they were going for the pay-per-view, and they sort of all seem to clear it up here, and it's, it's official. It's definitely happening. Taz versus Douglas. So, I will put these two together. The... Tajiri Pablo match and the super crazy unfelt match. Billy, you know that I'm not a massive fan of flip de doo <laughs> cruiserweight wrestling. We've, <laughs> we've known this from when we do the WCW stuff. Yes. But I can get into this level of flip de doo wrestling because it looks like it actually hurts and makes contact. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, generally quite a lot of fun. Um, I would say it was like a hybrid of Lucha and Puro, all sort of mixed together and um yeah it, it all looks very realistic unlike some of the stuff that you can see on wcw ryan you got anything about these two matches um i love them um i am fascinated that pablo marquez uh later becomes babu uh tiger alley sings uh right hand guy who like does his like kissing his foot and stuff so it amazed me to this is actually my first pablo marquez match i never saw pablo marquez before this but when i saw his face i'm like is that babu and i, I looked into it and, and it was and it made me think sabu versus babu one day <laughs> <laughs> but oh. i did love the match and seeing him uh the corkscrew plancha i kind of popped for that a little bit just because i didn't expect him to do it and uh, what's really interesting to me about this time is uh, Tajiri. Like, Tajiri looks like two different people in a span of two years. When when he starts going crazy compared to now this, like, regular, hey, look at me, I'm Tajiri, I'm a technician, I do everything. It's just just his look is fascinating to me. Do you, do you see what I'm saying, how he looks like a totally different person? I haven't seen any of him sort of before coming out to ECW. Um, so coming here with little blue shorts and stuff looks badass. He doesn't have that standard, oh, look, he's foreign. Let's make him sort of show or be yep. as foreign as we can. You know, think if he was in the Fed, Vince would probably have him under a mask and be calling him <laughs> the Orient Express 2000 or something. <laughs> Whereas obviously here at ECW, he can be just a wrestler guy. You know, we've had uh, Hakushi or, and uh, Sazaki. We had obviously all the Mishinoki Pro guys all came over being them. They've not been forced into Americanizing their, themselves when they get here to ECW, which is always really, really good. Um, his his move set is incredible. Do you do you remember your favorite spot? On, on this match because I'll, I'll tell you mine first all right so I, I, I detailed this like in, in my notes he he literally he did a drop toe hold he, he rolled on his back to do like almost what kind of looked like a reverse surfboard he grabbed his arms he rolled over while grapevining his legs so that the his, uh, feet would get caught behind his uh his quads 
and he stood up and bridged his shoulders to the mat while he was doing this like standing reverse surfboard that's the only thing i could have came only name i came up with it because i'm like do you know the spot i'm talking about here yeah he's just so the thing is he does it all and it looks just so so clean and sort of effortless i mean my favorite there's the bit where he gets him on the it was on the edge of the rope he kicks him in the head then puts him in what joey calls the tarantula that uh the boston crab type thing over the ropes i'm like that's an amazing (laughs) amazing little sequence of just smack them in the head so hard that they're disorientated so then you can stretch them out It was he's just Tajiri is in in my uh, I would say top twenty five. I, I love him. He he and he he inspired me from like just when I first started getting into him and his green mist and stuff. Just he's, he's just a great character and wrestler. So um, anything else from this episode of TV? Oh, the, oh, there's a there's a lot. There's so much I I had. Uh, did you catch Joey Styles calling him Yoshihiri over and over? Yeah, um, well, see, that's his first name. It's just one of those of it's quite. I don't want to keep butchering it, so I went. Well, I'll just call him Tajiri. It's just easier. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the oh, super crazy antifaz, right? Yes. Um, that, um, that was really interesting to me too. Um, I never saw antifaz before this. I love super crazy. He is a really funny character. The way he looks at the camera and makes all these faces he's so kooky it's, it's very fun but yeah i do love the spanish wrestling style and to have this right after the japanese um see the japanese and spanish guy go it was just it, they really exhibited on this show uh international wrestling and that, that's why i loved it it was my favorite show of the uh, all the hardcore tvs of this month wonderful so Going into week two, it is basically just highlight packages and build up for the pay-per-view. So that's all you're going to get on that. We are going to go now into the pay-per-view. Billy, if you could be so kind and go through the results for me. Uh, Yes, of course. Uh, Up first, uh, the hardcore chair swinging freaks of Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney. Defeated the team of the FBI. And uh, Danny Dorian and Roadkill. Uh, up next, uh, Yoshihira Tajiri beat Super Crazy. Uh, then Sid Vicious defeated John Cronus. Up next, the Dudley Boys, uh, the team of Bubba Ray, uh, Devon, and Big Dick Dudley defeated uh, New Jack and Spike Dudley. And up next, uh, for the ECW World Television title, Rob Van Dam beat Lance Storm. Uh, then in a stairwell to hell match, Just Incredible beat Tommy Dreamer. And finally, in the main event, Taz defeated Shane Douglas to become the new ECW World Heavyweight Champion. So, going into the show, um, what, were your, what were your initial thoughts? Obviously, seeing the build-up from the week before, Um Ryan, did you have sort of an expectation of what you thought this show would be? I kind of watched Guilty as Charged uh, before this, and it, it kind of confused me. I didn't know which came first, 298 or Guilty as Charged. I still kind of don't know. Can you can you put that in perspective? Uh, this is um, before the house party, so it was okay. Guilty as Charged was the pay-per-view first, and then the house party was... Obviously, uh, at the end of the month, 
Okay, okay. So, um, I, I, I just like on this show, like it was, it was good. Um, I, Sid, I totally popped for Sid, and uh, um, Cronus, Cronus was in some sort of zone. Did, did you notice anything like fishy about about <laughs> Cronus? Yeah. Um. Obviously, we'll go into a bit more on the breakdowns on each of the matches before we get when we get there. But yeah, Cronus didn't look at. Uh, his usual uh, standards. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I like the show, and Taz getting the title is obviously a plus for me. Cool. Uh, Billy, going in, where were you? Uh, I was just un I was quite unsure, really, on this show in general. Um, I, I didn't – I wasn't excited. I was excited for the big match. But for the rest, I didn't really know what was happening. But I suppose you've got to expect that with ECW at this moment in time. It really only like builds a couple of matches and then the rest is just what they throw together on the day. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this show, it had a real big main event on it. And I thought, well, I'll get into this later, but I thought that was kind of lacking. Um, I don't think they delivered the big match feel that I was hoping that they would. Uh, obviously, six days later, we sort of got what I would have preferred to have seen the main event here. Uh, but we had like sort of a strong undercard with Super Crazy and Tajiri and uh, you know, a fun mid-card match with uh, RVD and uh, Lance Storm. So sort of a thumbs in the middle for me with this show, really, more than anything. Because uh, I would just say, I was going into it, I was a little bit bitten after... November to forget being the last pay-per-view <laughs> offering for ECW and that mat that show being so bad it got worst show of the year last year. Yeah. So yeah. you know, tell just sort of I was I was on the fence more than I ever have been for any ECW show because as we all know, I love ECW and I'm always sort of hyped for everything they ever put out. But after that debacle last time I went in with tapered expectations because I didn't want to be shit on again, but I was pleasantly surprised. So going into the show, we open up cold with Paul Heyman in the office, telling us that the card is always subject to change and that Jerry Lynn and Pat Tanaka, or Masahito Tanaka even, are not going to be at the show. <laughs> Wrong Tanaka, Chris. <laughs> that, He's not, there's not someone with a mask, it's fine. <laughs> so, we open the show with the freeway elimination match with Balls and Axel going against Danny Doring and Roadkill and the FBI team of Guido and Tracy Smothers, who are accompanied by Big Guido, Sally Graziano, and Tommy Rich. Guido and Doring start the match with a coronel elbow and a couple of tests of strength. To this point, out comes Balls and Axel to make it a freeway in all six brawl. Balls and Axel brawl to the outside as Guido and Doring are in the ring. Guido goes for a quick roll up and gets a two, but then misses a splash. Outside, Balls super kicks Tracy into the ring and then gets a two count. Balls hits a top rope splash and then everyone is outside. Balls and Axel are in the ring. Roadkill comes in and gets beaten down until Axel hits a lariat. Tracy takes over on Roadkill until he hits a side slam and a power slam, then hits a massive top rope splash that gets a two. Those are all signature Dor moves, by the way. 
<laughs> all all of Roadkill's big mat move matches. So we then get Doring in, who hits the big G spot sweep onto Guido, and then hits the bareback on Tracy, and then hits a tea bag. <laughs> yes, yes, these are all the move names for Danny Doring. Extreme Associates three sixteen. He then hits a heart attack, only for the big Don to come in and use the flag. The FBI hits a double crater fisherman's buster, which was a very, very pretty move, to get the first elimination. So Danny Doring and Roadkill are out. The FBI come and double-team Bulls, hitting chops, drop kicks, and then the pies on elbow. Bulls hits a raindrop suplex, tags all round, and Axel beats on both of the FBI. Bulls is then in with both of them hitting their finishes, the Nutcracker Suite, and the STF for the win. Balls and Axel get the title or get the win. Post match, Big Guido and Big Sal eat stiff chair shots. Yeah, Billy, I noted that. Well, I really wanted to say I was going to enjoy this match when obviously I see the FBI and Dorian and Roadkill. But I was thinking it's a bit weird, you know, two hills. Uh, Two heel tag teams starting out the show. I'm like, okay, it'd be a fun little comedy match. It would be perfectly fine. Obviously, then uh, Bulls and Axel decided to come out and uh, immediately dragged things down with a homophobic slur. But then, you know, it's 1998 and it's professional wrestling. I suppose I've got to expect these sort of things in the current wrestling climate. It's apparently acceptable. Um yeah. It also uh, broke down into the ECW style walking brawl. I've got absolutely no problem with it. Crowd was red hot throughout. Um, it was overall, it was a very entertaining um, match and perfectly fine way to open the show. Ryan, what were your opinions on this opener? I I, uh, I, I liked it because it, it was interesting. I got to uh, see like six different you know talents three different teams everybody got their shit in which is great and um i i noticed like i made a couple of like metaphors like fbi kind of reminded me of of the oddities they had like the two giant guys like silva and and guido i actually i, I didn't know who big guido was until i like looked up the stable of the fbi and i'm like oh okay this is like this is maritato's uh work shoot older brother um so I, I learned who Big Guido was in this match. So anything that educates me in wrestling is great because I always feel like I kind of know too much. Um, I know. All right. So my biggest takeaway from this match is a line that that Joey had. Joey called Axel Rodden the most underrated wrestler in all of wrestling. <laughs> I just was like, like I love Axel. That like rest in peace, Axel Rodden. But like. Come on. <laughs> um, Nashville, Italy is where Smothers is from. That, I, I popped for that. And, uh, yeah, the two chair shots to the dome really uh, iced this one. Yeah, it was a fun opener. 
didn't over didn't stay over long you know and as as you both said the crowd were really fucking into this um we follow that up with a terry funk promo telling us that he hates jake roberts and he hates tommy dreamer <laughs> and i hate your promos terry funk you're just really fucking boring and bland we follow that up with let me grab a drink before i start this one <laughs> yoshi Jiri versus yeah. stupid crazy so they start the match by filling each other out and we get to Jiri going into the hammerlock pin and getting a one and then super crazy doing a snap mare into La Mystica cradle for a one. Crazy hits a spinning DDT. So Jiri hits some stiff leg kicks and a massive head kick. Follows up with a drop down drop kick. They exchange chops and kicks and Jiri hits some sick drop kicks to the knees then hits on a lag bar. Handspring back elbow, then to the outside with an acai moonsault. Kick to the back of the head and then in with a tarantula. A super crack swing board drop kick to the outside, then hits a plancher. They then slam into the floor and hits a railing moonsault. Super crazy then hits some elbows and a rolling surfboard into a dragon sleeper. Elbow drops, stomps, Tajiri reverses a tilt-a-well into an arm drag, then goes to the outside and hits a top rope splash onto the floor. Back in, Tajiri hits a spinning back kick. They both go for roll-ups and get twos. Crazy starts with some chops, but Tajiri hits a German suplex. Super Crazy then goes for a German suplex, but Tajiri lands on his feet and hits him with a massive kick. Super Crazy then chops in a moonsault for two. Drop kick to the outside and then a twisted plancher. Back in the ring, Crazy hits a missile drop kick, a tornado DDT, and a reverse tornado DDT that gets a two count. Tajiri manages to count a powerbomb into a DDT. Super Crazy then goes up top but misses the twisting senton. Tajiri hits a top rope sunset flip, which gets a two. A top coat Hurricane Rana is countered into a pin by Super Crazy. Then a massive sit-out powerbomb gets a two. Tajiri hits a sit-out powerbomb his own and gets a two. Rolling pins gets a, a selection of twos. Tajiri then hits the dragon suplex and gets the win. While yeah. I get catch my breath, Ryan. Oh, it's, um, it's probably my favorite uh, technical feud in, in ECW. Uh, super crazy. And Tajiri, I've tried to go through all their matches. Um, that how awesome is that rolling surfboard, uh, inverted uh, headlock combo? I the dragon sleeper. It, it's I, I want to see somebody today do that. It, it really that really brought me back. Um, that that that's my favorite. That's my takeaway of the match. Like if you made me draw super crazy and Tajiri doing a thing, it would be super crazy in that inverted Super Bowl, super, <laughs> I mean, surfboard, dragon sleeper. I, I just, I popped heavy for that. Billy? Uh, yeah, I was uh, quite surprised, really. Um, obviously, I, well, I shouldn't really say I was surprised uh, after what they delivered on the TV two weeks ago. Uh, it's just that I hadn't really seen much of these guys. I know to Yoshihiro Tadiri comes from IWA in Japan, and I really haven't seen much of his work and i haven't really seen much of super crazy's work uh in emll because i just don't really follow those promotions i don't really ever 
seen either talent in like short job matches, uh, should I say, in the Fed. So, yeah, uh, I'm a work rate guy, so this left me more than satisfied. Um, I popped for <laughs> almost everything uh, along with the crowd. And uh, I was also happy to see that, you know, usual typical ECW crowd does tend to like to shit on newcomers. You know, the Michinoku Pro six-man tag at Barely Legal comes to mind. Uh, it was good to see that they were well and truly behind and the, the reception that they got, they really deserved it because both guys worked really hard and uh, hands down, this was match of the night. Yeah, as I said, if, if you have any interest in cruiserweight wrestling, lucha wrestling, technical Japanese-style wrestling, this will be... If someone said, oh, what's wrestling like from different continents, this would be what I would hand them and go watch this. Um, To all the people in WCW that, you know, think they're great at their cruiserweight shit, you've got a benchmark to now live up to, boys. (laughs) You know, you've, you've, you know, this has definitely put the Kidmans and the Mysterios and Hoobitudes and Chavos on the, on the uh, notice here of, there's some new boys in town, and they are better than you. <laughs> it had to be a breath of fresh air uh, for ECW to have Super Crazy and Tajiri at that point because, you know, years back they had all these great cruiserweights that they brought in and brought them in on short-term deals, and they all, you know, switched to Big Ted Turner's company over at WCW. And uh, they really filled the, the void that was needed for some – kind of lucha libre technical international style wrestling because i think deep down at heart everybody loves that style of wrestling it just can't be done in the the flippy do um vein that we see it today if if they do it like super crazy and tajiri did it works yeah so next we get jeff jones coming out telling us that now he's a judge and he says (laughs) That since Cronus hit him with a 450 splash a few weeks ago, he had some punishment for him. And the punishment was in the form of a debuting Sid. So Sid comes out, Cronus punches him a couple of times, but no effect. Sid hits a choke slam to the outside for a table, puts him back in, hits a power bomb, and gets the win. I'm not even going to open this up to the discussion because there was nothing really to discuss on the match. But the one discussion point is, what will they do with Sid in ECW? You know, you've got a former World Wrestling Federation champion. Yep. And he's now here in the land of extreme. Are they going to push him to the moon and make him champion? Billy? Stranger things have happened. It's, it's really weird, like... Especially here in ECW, you know, ECW, let's, let's, let's call it as it is. Most of the smarks in the ECW crowd are work rate guys. They went mental for Sid, who is not a work rate guy in any kind of way. He's more of a character and you know, what he does well, he does well, even if it's only four or five moves. But I do have to wonder what, what they are going to do with him, you know, because he was put over so strong here. Is it going to be, um, you know, he's going to go, like, the next three months undefeated? Uh, they're going to keep doing the same. They're going to keep throwing, like, guys, like, on Cronus's level at him. And then does he go and do a job to someone like Taz? I can't see Sid agreeing to go down to Taz. 
Um, who are they building him up to lose to? I, I just, I really do not know. I don't get it. Yeah, it's one of those, I, I don't get the rhyme or reason of it, but fuck it, it'll be fun while he's here. Ryan, any I idea? Am, I am so with him on his exact thing that he just said. Um, literally what he just said. <laughs> um, personally, I I, uh, I like Sid because I'm a big fan of the 96, uh, just WWF and the fact that he had a title run. And I started basically watching as a youth when Undertaker and Sid uh, started fighting. That was like, you know, so Sid has a nostalgic value in my heart. Um, and uh, he's got a good character in terms of like violence. And Jeff Jones is like this loud asshole. So he's he's kind of perfect to, to pair with him. And uh, he's, he's like a loud asshole in real life, by the way, Jeff Jones. He's, he's a weird dude. Um, I think he's doing real estate now. Um, but anyway, yeah, Sid, all right, Cronus. I do love when wrestlers look wacky. And Cronus looked so wacky today. He was just – he was making all these weird mannerisms, and it, it intrigued me. Like, Sid just in, Sid and Cronus just both intrigue me a lot. Like, Sid's always in this zone, like, fist pump, ruler of the world. And Cronus was just something I've never seen. I, yeah, so I, I, I actually like this little squash. I think with Cronus, it's a mixture of uh, specific medications and chair shots to the head. <laughs> and uh, between the two have made him a little bit different, shall we put it in the nicest way? He's got an interesting story. Uh, he, he actually did XPW, which is one of the craziest promotions in the history of Earth. And uh, he, he did some weird stuff over there later on. But... Uh, yeah, Cronus has always intrigued me. So after this, after this match, I actually read up a lot on Cronus. So we followed this with our evening's walking brawl. But first things first, we get the introduction from Mr. Gertner. breaking out on his face. Well, well, well. Despite what the Florida Tourism Board has been feeding all of you ignorant people, it is I, every female's top tourist destination, and the man whose crotch is truly the happiest place on earth. The man 
who makes Minnie Mouse's panties wet, and the man who just last night helped Daisy Duck fulfill her dream as she took one for the team, and I made her squeal and scream as I filled her full of cream. It is I, the bacon in her eggs, the man for whom she begs, and the face between her legs. The quintessential and original stud muffin, and a good lord have mercy, goddamn handsome man, Joel, I shoot out a full condom filler, and it tastes like vanilla, Gurkha. You people should shut the hell up. We don't need your applause. Introducing at this time, my colleague, my cohort, and my co-conspirator. He is the mute behind the mayhem, the quiet behind the riot, and And all the girls say he's pretty fly for a sign guy. This is Sign Guy Dudley! As the two of us cordially and collectively introduce to you, first, accompanying his half-brothers to ringside, he is Pro Wrestling's only true Mastodon, 25 and 7 8. I stand corrected. 25 and 9 eighths inches of arms attached to the man who last night. Split your 42-year-old mother in half and then stuck it to her like she was a 21-year-old set of twins. Bird! Dirt! Dudley! Competing tonight for your viewing pleasure. First, at my left, keeping it real in the 9-9 and weighing in at a slim, trim, lean, mean, scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, topped, diced, peppered, and jacked! 230 pounds, my personal dietitian, D. Vaughn Dudley! His half-brother and tag team partner hails from Metropolitan Dudleyville. He is every Floridian's favorite wrestler, every American's wrestling role model, and every professional wrestler's worst nightmare. This is 
Bubba Ray Dudley! Well, now what? If me and my brothers had the time, we'd come out there and kick every one of your asses! We ain't got no match to wrestle tonight! We ain't even supposed to be on this miserable pay-per-view! Okay. So if there's any man in this building, whether it be in the crowd or whether it be in the back, if you want to fight Dudley Mill style, get your asses in the ring right now. Amazing. Amazing. Gertner and Bubba are on fine form as always. You would have just heard. All of their wonderful tirade, calling out everyone, and out comes Spike and New Jack to answer their challenge. And of course, they come with weapons. <laughs> and the brawl begins, and very quickly, all spills to the outside. Though in the ring, Spike hits a hurricane runner on Bubba and gets a two count. Bubba hits a fucking nasty trade shot to Spike's head. Devon and New Jack are just beating it up outside. Bubba launches Spike from the ring into the crowd with a press slam. Spike crowd surfs his way back into the, onto the ramp. So Bubba does it again from the ramp. New Jack and Devon are ramming each other into the railings. Spike hits Bubba with a cookie sheet and then a claws at his eyes. Big Dick comes in and eats two guitar shots from New Jack and Spike. The Dudleys then, with chairs, smash open RV, or New Jack. Bubba hits a super Bubba drum on Spike. New Jack elbows Devon and then hits Bubba with a cookie sheet of his own. Devon grabs the cookie sheet and hits Bubba by mistake. The Dudleys then hit 3D on the ramp on New Jack. Spike hits an acid drop on Big Dick and Devon. Tries to go to one on Bubba, but this gets blocked by Big Dick. They then hit the 3D and get the win. Post-match, they continue to beat down New Jack with some massively ugly chair shots in between each of the Dudley's commandments. They proclaim that they've been everyone that they had in the Fed and done exactly what they said they would, and now are challenging the public enemy, which you will hear now. Number one, thou 
Security out, maybe. The cops. Let's get the damn Dudleys out of the ring. Three, you pathetic piece of garbage. Thou shall not fuck with the Dudleys. They finished. And we will put 
an end to all the rumors and prove to you and the public enemy that the Dudley Boys are the greatest tag team in the world. I hope with everything inside of me that the public enemy sure does answer that challenge because I would like nothing more than to see the Dudley boys driven out of ECW. So, as always, the fun walking brawl of the Dudleys. Ryan, it's ECW. Yeah. We have to have at least one of these, don't we? <laughs> Isn't it amazing what, what Gertner can, can do when he, he has a microphone? How does he remember all this? Like, I have no idea. This was, I think, this is his longest one-shot intro for everyone in the Dudleys, and it's word perfect. <laughs> I have a, a, a very interesting uh, perspective on this. I met Gertner at a uh, before a House of Hardcore show a few months ago, and I was talking to him. He's a great dude, and he uh, he told me that I asked him what his favorite in-ring intro was of his, him of all time. And he said this this whole Daisy Duck promo is is his personal favorite. So it, it was cool to see, you know, what he loved so much and like the reaction it got. So seeing seeing that like in, in this vein of oh I'm doing a podcast and I'm watching this, but it was very fulfilling to me to see. Um so yeah, the in ring intro was amazing. Seeing Spike Dudley dressed as a gangster was hilarious to me. Um Always see. I always pop for for Big Dick Dudley. I, I find it hilarious that he basically got himself to over with like a grunt. <laughs> it's like all he did. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> you know. So I love I love Big Dick Dudley, and uh, this this match was cool. And um, watching the uh, you know the bloodied Spike Dudley and New Jack afterwards, and Bubba, one of the greatest heels of all time, on the mic, just you know basically like shooting on the crowd and shooting on themselves and how awesome they are and stuff. It, it's, it's amazing to watch this and, and feel like you don't like the people in the ring. That's what I really took away from it. Like the Dudleys are, are wrestlers that make you feel. Yeah. Um, I have to agree. Everything you say though, especially with the fact of the level of asshole that the Dudleys have now sort of put themselves <laughs> out in the last few months. The level of so, asshole is unsurmounted. This, it's just been those last few months where, you know, they've gone from it just being Gertner getting the heat for them in the intros to now Bubba is taking it to another level of just absolute grade A cunt. That if, if you don't hate him, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Billy... It, as I said, it wouldn't be ECW about our walking brawl of the evening. I do enjoy a good walking brawl. Uh, this had every single element of a good walking brawl. And it also had the added uh, touch of natural born killers playing over and over again. You know, that's that's one of the best things about uh, uh, New Jack and the ECW walking style brawl. Um, as much as I'm a work rate guy, I do really enjoy this sort of... Uh, of this sort of brawling i just think it's a lot of fun it breaks the show up i don't need a show full of uh 
let's say six five-star classics and every now and again you need just uh, a little site that you can turn your brain off and just sit back and uh, have a good laugh at and uh, also got to say you know shout out to spike for dressing up as mustafa that that shit really did make me laugh but i've got a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely he's uh, been raiding Mustafa's uh, wardrobe there for his for his look. <laughs> and I'm, so, sure New, I'm sure New Jack was more than willing to let him do it. Yes. So next. Wait, wait have, a second. Did you yeah. see Spike thrown into the crowd and crush a kid? I did. I did see a, um, someone sort of go down with him getting crowd surfed. And someone that has been dropped being crowd surfed. I'd yeah. worry more about Spike than I would about someone not catching him. Bubba, Bubba was on the on the ramp and tossed Spike into the crowd, crushed the kid, and then one of the kid, one of the guys in the audience looked up at Bubba like, "What the hell are you doing?" And Bubba was like, "Get the hell out of my face!" So, <laughs> that was a, that too. I love crowd interaction. So next we have the ECW World Television Title match with our champion RBD with Fonzie going against Lance Storm with Tammy Lynn Bitch. Again, let me just uh, get ready for the review. So Pick we start with <laughs> yeah. <you> drink, Chris. <laughs> yeah. We start with train wrestling and RVD with a quick roll up that only gets a one. RVD with an arm drag, Lance thumbs to the eye and then starts with some punches. RVD hits a drop kick that gets a two count. Lance gets the rolling crab. Lance grabs Fonzie as he's trying to go after Tammy. RVD then hits a guillotine leg drop. Goes to the outside, puts him on the barrier and hits another. RVD then posts Lance back into the ring and then hits the underhook splash and gets a two. Lance manages to hit a sweet super kick and gets a two of his own. A jawbreaker and some corner thrusts. Lance then hits a drop kick that pushes RVD all the way to the railings. Lance then hits a baseball slide and then they brawl into the crowd. RVD hits a cannonball from the railings. Lance manages to reverse a DDT onto the floor. Again, RVD is then drop kicked as he's about to do a dive off the, off the railings. Lance hits a springboard into the crowd. Back into the ring, RVD gets crotched. RVD blocks a superplex and hits a spinning leg drop. Then there's a surfboard and hits the rolling thunder for two. Lance hits the handspring back elbow for a two and a cartwheel clothesline. Fozzie lumps a chair into RVD, who tries to hit the band down but misses. Lance then hits him with the chair. RVD then hits the band down Lance with a nut shot that gets a roll up two. RVD hits a spin kick, the band down to the ref. And then Lance hits his own Van Stormanator. Van Stormanator. I like that. <laughs> Fonzie brings in the chair only for Lance to get it, but eats a sidekick to the chair. RVD misses the follow-up with a five-star. Lance rolls up, which turns into the pinning combos. RVD then hits a bridging German and gets the win. Well, this was fucking amazing. And more of the same, please. Billy, while I go and have a drink, wax <laughs> lyrical about amazingness. Chris, I would love to, but I don't know why. Obviously expected so much from this match. I thought yeah. it could have been special. I thought it was good. Hell, I thought it was very good. And I thought everything they did, they executed it well. Wasn't sloppy, you know. RVD tends to be a bit sloppy every now and again. But it just felt like my expectations were so high. Maybe I um, 
cheated myself out thinking this was such a great match. Which is it's a genuine shame, you know. Um <laughs> I just I just feel that it could have been just so much better. Um I, I didn't really think much of the finish as well. I sort it fell flat for me. Um it wasn't, you know, because uh, it was just a German and it was a quick freak out. Sort of like, okay, why, why didn't RVD win with uh, the Five Star Frog Splash? Maybe ECW didn't want to do that because maybe they want to go back to the match again uh, at the next pay-per-view, which I believe is living dangerously. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I think it's just my expectations were so high and uh, <laughs> I think that's why it just didn't come off as anything amazing for me. I think me and you, Billy, may, may have a falling out. Cause yeah. I love this. So, sorry, Chris. You know, don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I just, you know, they'll, they'll just rescind your next invitation to ECW. Oh, bugger. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. Um, I, love R- reason. I love RVD, right? Not my favorite RVD match. Definitely not my favorite RVD match. So before the opening, uh, Don Marie was in the ring and crowd was usually was chanting their regular show your tits for uh tammy lynn actually at this time tammy lynn bitch and um darmory i read her lips as she's talking to lance storm she says i could show my boobs it's a pay-per-view <laughs> <laughs> and lance storm is obviously like no nonsense so he's like yeah all right don't do that and um yeah, so uh, the takeaways I had from this match was, um, the, if I could pick one thing I liked about it, I liked the Van Daminators and Van Storminators, even though the Van Storminator was pretty terrible. And um, I liked the, that he worked a leg. I'm a big fan of like working a, a, a limb in a match. Like It really adds to like the believability, like if the moves over and over to the same spot. So I really like the fact that uh, the leg-based offense – the finish was awful, and that's what that's what killed it for me. I, w- I would have been like okay with this match, but when it ended with a German with a bridge, I was just like, come on, like, yeah. But anyways, but this is wrestling. Wrestling, you don't have to, you know, always win with your finishing maneuver. You can win using a wrestling hold. It means that other holds become, you know, winnable with matches. Oh. Sorry, Chris. You love this match so much. I took a brain buster over that. I'll take a uh, a, a spinning fisherman suplex over that. Hey, when I started watching wrestling, Terry Funk was winning matches with a bloody spinning toe hold. Anything can finish a match. Yeah, Al Perez had a good one. So, uh, Next match is the Stairway to Hell match with Justin Incredible, who's out with Jason, Nicole Bass, and Jasmine going against Tommy Dreamer. Justin with some chops. Tommy hits a clothesline and a kick to the balls. Spine buster and a clothesline onto the floor. Tommy's whipped into the railing as Justin takes over. Tommy gets his own into the railing and then hits a stun gun on the railings. Back into the ring and Justin reverses the DDT onto the chair. A corner bump and then onto the ramp with a drop toe hold onto the chair. Nicole Bass uses her cat of nine tails and starts whipping Tommy. Back into the ring, Tommy hits a Russian leg sweep and a face smash onto the chair and hits the Dreamer Driver. Tommy goes for the ladder. 
and he dodges Justin and Jason trying to baseball slide in with it, only to hit them with it themselves. They then bridge the ladder across the ring and railings. Hits an electric chair drop onto the railings, or onto the ladder even, and then a slingshot into the railings. Back into the ring, Tommy misses the follow-up elbow drop. Justin traps his arm in the ladder and smashes the chair onto it. Tommy is then whipped into the ladder. Justin hits a suplex onto the floor. Back into the ring for another suplex attempt, but Tommy ends up blocking it and tries to hit a DDT on both Justin and Jason. This is blocked by Jazz coming in and hitting a low blow and a suplex on Tommy, who pops straight up Road Warrior Hawk style to hit it with a DDT. Jason misses a baseball slide and nuts himself onto the corner post. <laughs> Nicole Bass tries to help him, but pulls him onto it again. He then sets up the ladder, but is pulled off. Justin tips Tommy off the ladder onto the floor via the table. Tommy is then back up in time to stop Jason from grabbing the cane. Tommy is then whipped into the ladder. Jason hits a swinging DDT and puts Tommy's head between the ladder and posts it. At this point, a second ladder is brought into the match and they set both up, both climbing up the ladder each. Tommy hits a dreamer cutter off the ladders. Tommy manages to climb up and grab the cane, hits a diving DDT from the ladder, then wraps Justin in the ropes. At this point, out comes Terry Funk. He smashes a bin over Jason, or over Tommy even, and then gets caned. Justin then hits That's Incredible onto the ladder, gets the whim. After the match, Funk continues to beat on Tommy using the BIM. This was a fun fun use of a ladder match. It was a different way of doing it. Obviously, not having a championship at the end of it means that, you know, getting up the ladder isn't the finish. You know, it's no Brett and Razor or even Hunter and Rock from last year's SummerSlam. But it's the best ladder match we've had in ECW. Ryan, what were your thoughts? All right. Well, first, first off, uh, I remember before this match, there was a uh, a dreamer promo where he banged his head against the locker and it cut him hard way. And uh, dreamer was really good at these like self infliction of pain <laughs> promos, and uh, I, I like that. But uh, as for the match, my um, my two memories of it are uh, the there was a spot where dreamer was on a ladder and it was leaned against the ropes. Incredible, like lifted. The ladder, so Dreamer fell off to the other side. Like a, I used the ladder like a lever. I thought that was interesting use of a ladder. And uh, the most memorable spot to me was definitely the uh, the ace cutter off the, uh, the the two ladders. That was that was pretty memorable for me. Um, I don't really. I mean, it's not my favorite ladder match. A, a kendo stick on a ladder when ECW uses all these weapons anyway. It was kind of like okay, whatever. Um, Seeing Nicole Bass and and <laughs> the way that she is is just like you know Nicole Bass is is like just unbelievable in a human way like how is this a human being that's 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 what I get from Nicole Bass so she's really interesting to me so every time I see her it's interesting how weird of a stable is this credible with Jazz and Jason and Nicole Bass it's like they just threw people together into like this 
group of weirdos and led by Credible. It's very well, interesting. It, it's the thing with, with this. It's sort of Jason. Jason brought in Justin, and yeah. then Jason surrounds himself with like-minded are using in air quotes people that you know are, are a bit weird because you've had like chastity has been with them um for a bit you had one man gang in there <laughs> you know it it's been a bit of a who's who of just who can we chuck with them to sort of make the numbers up um, it's good to know that, that was the purpose of the whole stable to shut <laughs> just throw these people in there yeah um but I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it, but it just is. You know, sometimes you know, with wrestling, you just have to say it just is. Do you know what the blood spot was in this match? Because every every match where there's like somebody bleeding a lot, I always go back to see when it happened, and I couldn't find when the when uh, I think it was Dreamer, I believe that. that I think like, it's the point when Dreamer when they tip did the ladder tip from the yeah, ring yeah. to the outside, and he goes That's through the table. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's how he hits the table, busts him open. Because as soon as he comes back in from there, that's where he, you know the the blood is starting to flow. Yep. So, right. <laughs> uh, again, um, this was it was a good match. You know, don't get me wrong on when I'm about to start burying stuff here, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, they did some good stuff with the ladders. They had some big bumps, you know. It was all proceeding along very nicely. And then we got to the stuff with Terry Funk. Now, I respect Terry Funk. You know, guy's a legend. He's doing moon souls at his age. You know, stuff that he does is insane and crazy. But why is he at the forefront of this feud between Credible and Dreamer? You know, this feud has been going on a better part of a year now. Uh, am I right in saying, Chris, you know, it all started back at yeah, House Party 98? Uh, a little bit later than that. It was about April. So, but, you know, you were a couple of months off a year. Right, okay. <laughs> so it's been going on a while. And yep. now what they've done is they've turned the, the attention of the feud all to Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. Now, obviously, ECWC, Just Incredible, was quite a big star for the future and someone that they can build around and because they've been you know pushing him really strong since he's come into the company which is around summer 97 chris am i right in saying that yeah about that yeah right okay so why would they in the finish it was clearly um more all about funk and dreamer than it was credible credible one and no one really seemed to care about that all they seemed to care about was dreamer and funk and i just had to wonder why paul Heyman decided to go that route i i don't get it um i just felt that the finish sort of fell flat because of it yeah it's it's one of those of it's good but <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it could have been better. <laughs> exactly, not, not, <laughs> it could, but yeah, it could have been better. <laughs> but we've seen a hell of a lot worse. Uh, yeah, I've seen a hell of a lot worse from ECW. So, but still, you know, that was just like my one minor complaint from this match. I'd give it a gentleman's three stars. <laughs> as, that's as that's very well. nice of you. <laughs> so it. Main event of the evening, which is not our originally advertised match of Shane Douglas versus Sabu, 
But instead, we have Shane Douglas versus Taz for the ECW World Heavyweight title. Obviously, Shane is seconded by Francine. And we open with some chain wrestling and lots of near falls and lots of counters. Shane manages to take advantage. That is until Taz hits a head and arm Tazplex. Shane with some boots and using his cast. Taz hits an Alabama slam and then a stiff fucking lariat. They then brawl to the outside. Taz is sent into the railings and Shane goes into the ring to go up top and to dive into the crowd with a splash. They then fight into the crowd. At this point, my notes get very, very low because they were really quite boring at this point as they just punched and punched their way all the way up to the top of the arena where at this point, Shane uses a suplex onto the barrier. Taz then smashes Shane into the face, into the barrier, and then they make their way back down to the ring, both brawling and at this point, both bleeding. Halfway down, Taz hits a belly-to-belly Tazplex over a barrier onto what looks like a wooden platform. They then manage to continue to brawl their way back into the ring. At this point, Shane puts a table in the corner. Shane puts the boots to Taz. They exchange punches, and Shane whips Taz through the table. He then gets a two-count. He hits the reverse nep snap and then goes for another table, which he puts into the corner. Taz hits a T-bone Tazplex through the table, which gets him a two. At this point, we get Pyro going off as Sabu appears in the aisleway. He runs in and hits a springboard clothesline onto both and then beats both down. Chair shots and hits a triple jump moonsault onto the floor onto Shane. Back in, Sabu puts Shane on a table and hits the triple jump leg drop. Chair shots to Taz and then puts Taz through a table with a twisting splash. Sabu's work here is done. Shane goes for the pin and gets a two. And at this point, Chris Candido and Tammy Lynn come out. Francine shoves Tammy, which starts a catfight. Francine (coughs) spears Tammy. Candido punches Shane and Taz hits another T-bone Tazplex. At this point, Chris throws down his triple threat shirt and walks away. Taz's mission is on, but Taz tries to, or Shane tries to fight his way out of it. Taz finally gets the win as Shane's arm drops three times. And your new champion is Taz. Billy, other than the pointless long walking up to the back of the arena and back down again, a fairly decent title match. Yeah, it was a fairly decent title match, to be perfectly honest. Obviously, you know, it had the big fight feel going in. Obviously, a lot of people were generally excited for it, and they know that it's Taz's time. You know, it's time for him to win the title. You know, as much as it's been great to have the franchise as the champion for, I believe it's like a year and a half now. About that, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was his time. about for a while. Yeah, it was definitely his time to give up the belt. Now, obviously, the walking brawl sort of, I don't know, I can speak for all of you here, maybe it took us all out of it because it just seemed to go on forever. It led to a very sickening bump that uh, Shane Douglas took on like a metal board. Uh, I believe it was like a metal board. It just looked absolutely horrendous. And um, 
I felt bad for Shane having to take that. He looked hurt before taking it, and he looked even more hurt after taking it. <laughs> um, it kind of went downhill when Sabu decided to show up. Now, I know on TV he was originally going to be the guy that was going to come in and get the title shot against Shane Douglas. But I didn't feel they really needed to bring him out here with all the pomp and circumstance with the fireworks and everything. As he just came in and beat everyone up and then left. Now, okay, you're probably building up Sabu for uh, a big match with Shane Douglas and Taz, but you didn't really need to do that here. That, that was just my opinion on it anyway. And then you had like the Candino and Sonny Swerve. Again, you could have saved that for TV. You didn't have to do that in the main event. And I sort of felt that that all took away from Taz's big moment. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. You know, once he Taz hooked in the, uh, I'm just going to say the choke hold because I can't actually call its name. The what Kaji, I call it. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> once he had it in, it, the Taz mission. The Taz Easy. mission. Yes, the Taz mission. Um, once he had that hooked in, and Shane Douglas was like trying to fight for his life to get out of it. That was a lot of compelling stuff. And they sort of brought me in and I was begging for Shane to try and get out of it. Um, and I thought it made a lot of sense that he passed out because they can go back, back to another rematch between the two. Ryan, what were your thoughts? Uh, as a fan who uh, goes to companies like House of Hardcore, which is Dreamers promotion and, and ECW, like I enjoy uh, crowd fights, even though they're basically just like, punches and you know they're walking around just continuing to punch each other I, I i like the look of that you get to see all the fans and all their you know genuine reactions and it's cool to see all these people you know in the moment not on any cell phones just just enjoying people like brawling in the, in the crowd so i i actually contrary this is my first contrary opinion i like crowd brawls like this um see i'm not saying i don't like it Yep. Uh, it didn't work in this match. You're so right. see, with with the Dudley's match, if they'd have gone uh, in the crowd and was battering in that, it's fine. The RVD and Lance match, they go in, that's fine. It was just in the context of this match, you've got Shane, who's an in-ring guy, yeah. Taz, who's an in-ring guy. These, as as we've been bred to believe for ECW. These are the wrestling guys. These aren't the extreme side of ECW. These are the W side of ECW, the wrestling side. So, yes, we know they've got the violence and they use the tables, but they should stay normally in the perimeters of the ring, whereas a Dudley's, um, a Tommy Dreamer, they quite happily go around and have walking brawls around the, the, the arena. I feel that's more the thing with this is it's, you know, it's not, the walking brawl side it's just them doing it didn't work i actually i, I totally agree with that that, that that's a gr that's a great take um from from this match uh you got the run-ons with candido and sunny <laughs> uh francine's cat fight francine almost fell out of her top as she usually does and uh, <laughs> at the at the end of the match uh basically as the pay-per-view ended I wonder where that monitor went that Shane Douglas threw like 50 feet away from from the tower. He's like sitting on commentary, which is high up in the rafters for some reason. And he just chucks the TV monitor all the way to the floor. And I was like, that's a little bit dangerous. Someone's got a souvenir from the show. 
that's how we are, yeah. So, Ryan, we'll go with you first. What were your overall thoughts of the show and your score rating out of 10? Uh, Super Crazy and Tajiri stole it. And uh, anything that the Dudleys do, I like. I'm a, I'm a big Dudleys mark. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, there were some good chair shots in this. There was uh, a lot of like, kooky finishes and and strange spots but uh overall it was it was good it, it was like you know it was it was watchable i would go back to it two years from now and what's your score out of 10 um six Ooh. okay and um, billy right so i i enjoyed this show um Okay, my review might have not come across that. I did enjoy it, but trust me, I, I did. There was a lot of good stuff. There was a lot of bad stuff on this show. Um, it's very much a typical thumbs in the middle show. So I think I'm being a bit harsh, but I'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10. See, disgraceful behavior. I've, I've gone with, you know, I think it's a great start for 98 or 99 even for ECW, especially after... The fucking terror that was November to forget. <laughs> you know, this this is almost almost a perfect ECW show. We've got the brawling, we've got really really good in ring wrestling, we've got hardcore stunts, brawls, comedy to start the show in only the right place and not sort of overstaying its welcome. Giving it an eight, um, and. As we don't normally do this, but I implore every single one of you listening to this, make sure you watch Tajiri and Super Crazy. Uh -huh. It's one of those matches that come the end of the year will be there or thereabouts in the end of the year list for match of the year. Yeah. Super so, Crazy and Tajiri had like four of those points that I gave, <laughs> at least. <laughs> so, going into week three's pay-per-view, or TV even, and it is just highlights of the pay-per-view in usual ECW clip form. We then go week four's TV, which opens with the Dudleys giving us a public service announcement that the public enemy don't have the balls and aren't showing up, which you'll hear now.
sold every single one of you out. in the same ring. To be quite honest with you, I kind of do feel bad for the arena tonight because you should have got an opportunity to see the two best tag teams that ever walked through that curtain beat each other up tonight. It's all said and done. As God is my witness and as my brother's witnesses, I am going home. We are going home. We then follow that up with Skullbone Crush getting destroyed by Sid after winning with a powerbomb. We then get the rematch from the pay-per-view with Super Crazy going against Tajiri in another amazing match. This time, Super Crazy winning with the inverted Tornado DDT. Lance tells us that 1999 will be his year. RVD does an amazing Fonzie promo, which you'll hear now, just because it's great. Boston! We're coming to Boston! I hate it! I can't stand Boston! It's cold up there! Ever since that tea party, I bring in my champions there, and they don't think they're everything but everywhere around the world, and they still can't stand Boston! I bring in the homicidal, suicidal shampoo! I bring in my man, Fuzzy! Tell him, Mr. Money Lake! What was that for? We then get Chris Candido versus Taz for the world title. Oh, no, actually we don't. As Shane comes out, hits the Pittsburgh plunge on a chair onto Chris Candido. Francis and Tammy go at it, and Shane tells them both to fuck off. Shane then tells us that he built the belt, he built the company, and says that he doesn't need any hoo-ha. He made the belt important, and he wants a rematch, and you'll hear that now. It's the franchise! It's the... Gene Douglas just nailed Chris Candido with a steel chair! The franchise is here! Pittsburgh plunge on the steel chair! Sid just slapped Douglas and Francine is headed up! Here we go! And degrade it. 
That's called a dog and pony show. A guy named Graven needs that to be a great champion. I don't. I don't need to come out here and swing a stick to be a great champion, Taz. This whole company was built on my shoulders by making that belt more important than anybody or anything in it. So Taz, from one great champion to another, I'm asking you, Taz, let's give these people a world title match that we can be proud of. We then get a much better match between Shane and Taz. Taz wins after hitting a Taz mission suplex through a table. As we go off air, we get massive chance of please don't go to Shane Douglas. This if this would have been on the pay-per-view, that would have made the pay-per-view a 10 out of 10. I'm just putting yeah. it out there. Now, Billy, you sort of mentioned it early on that, you know, a much better TV match. This doesn't have the interference. This doesn't have the bullshit. Is this arguably, you know, one of the best Shane Douglas matches ever? Uh, yeah, definitely one of the best Shane Douglas matches. Um, yeah, like you said, Chris, it didn't have the interference or any of the bullshit in it. Um, this is what the pay-per-view match should have been. It you know, should have been a clear passing of the torch uh, moment. Shane, you know, losing in defeat, looking like a valiant hero, going away and passing the belt on to Taz. And unfortunately, on the pay-per-view, that's not what we got. We actually got it here at House Party 99 um, on the TV. So, yeah, well, well done, ECW. You know, <laughs> I, I agree with you again, Chris. You know, it would have been a definite 10 um, out of 10 if this was the way the match was presented, the main event. Ryan, do you um, agree? I, yeah, I agree, definitely. Uh, Shane is, you know, Shane really was there from the inception of, of the company. And, you know, the fact that he's, he's going over to, I think, WCW, uh, that was huge. That was, like, the, the please don't go chant actually, it, you know, brought a little bit out of me, too, because he's a legend in that company, Shane Douglas, and uh, he still loves it to this day. You know, he, his passion for the the business is pretty, pretty insane. If you meet him, I, mean, I got to meet him a, a year or two ago, and he, he's just he loves the business and he wants it to go back to the way it was. Um, great, yeah, great match. My favorite spot was definitely the uh, merch table. Uh, Taz got thrown through a merch table by Douglas, and I, I like that. You know, uh, yeah, pretty cool show. And just a quick bit on the. Tajiri Super Crazy number two. Ryan, a little bit shorter than uh, obviously the one from the pay-per-view, but just as good on quality. Yeah, you know, it had all the all the spots that, that we all love. Uh, it, was, it was definitely a little bit shorter. And uh, inverted Tornado DDT for the finish is a, a solid finish for me. I'll, I'll always be okay with a Tornado DDT finish. Billy? 
yeah, um, I'm looking forward to watching plenty more uh, Super Crazy and Tajiri matches because ECW have, have struck gold with this match and uh, I hope it exists on the undercard for the next six, five to six months. I really do because they've got a really good match here and uh, only adding people to it will help. I said it's one of those of you can take these two away from each other now for a month or so. And then if you've just got nothing to do with either one of them, chuck them together for one for one show and you know you're going to get a good match. So we open up week five's TV with Taz in the ring telling us how he is the champion. He's not a role model. He busts his ass to become the champion and calls out Hogan and Rock, which you'll hear now. The ECW World Heavyweight Champion. That's what I'm called now, because I won this. And I guess you're sitting at home saying, wow, that guy worked his ass off for that belt. You're right, I did. Wow, that guy didn't kiss ass to get that belt. That's right, I didn't. Wow, that guy didn't suck up to get that belt. That's right, I didn't. <laughs> I guess you might look at me like I'm a role model. Uh-uh. I ain't your role model. I ain't what you want to look up to. What I am is a miserable, mean, and nasty man. I'm not the guy you want living next door to you. Because you look at me the wrong way, I'll take a garbage can and throw it through your window. I'm pissed off, and I'm bent, and I'm hot. And now that I got this, things are fixing to get worse. It's like that animal that's running through the jungle. And that tiger is chasing him. And that tiger snatches him. He worked his ass off to get that like little animal. And then all the other tigers and lions and bears, they want to join in and throw that original tiger off that prey. Well, see, I'm that tiger. And everybody wants this. Because I'm the man to beat. And all I am is five foot eight. 248 pounds. I'm not six foot nine. I'm not 320 pounds loaded up with steroids. No, no. I'm just the guy that bust his ass for 12 miserable years. The miserable workhorse, the in-house, the Bush League shooter. That's what I am. Those are the names I've been called. And why? Cause it's a shoot. That's what I am like uh, other champions, Rocky Maivia. Brother, please, you green bastard, you're spoiled. You see, I'm not a second generation wrestler. I'm not a third generation. My mother didn't wrestle, my father, my uncle, my grandfather, my brother, my dog, my cat. No, just me. I'm not some spoiled rich kid from Hawaii. Ooh, let's push this kid hard, cause he's got a good look. Brother, you come to Philly, you come to Queens, you come to Florida, you come to Indianapolis, you come to Ohio, Buffalo, Rochester, anywhere ECW's holding the card, you face me, I'll fix those pretty looks of yours. <laughs> the other guy, Hulk Hogan. Look into my eyes. 
Is there anybody out there that honestly believes that Hulk Hogan can beat me? Is there anybody out there that honestly believes Hulk Hogan can hang 30 seconds with me on the mat with this on the line? Get real. I'm real. And I'm pissed. And I'm on top of the mountain. And things are getting harder for me. And that makes me hungrier. Instead of getting up at 4.45 a.m., I'm up at 3.30. Instead of running five miles, I'm running 10. I'm ready to go. And anybody in our locker room, or WWF, or WCW, Ultimate Fight, boxers, wrestlers, street thugs, jailbirds, I don't give a f Bring it! Because I'm Taz, the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Beat me if you can. Survive if I let you. We then get the tag team title match between the chair swinging freaks and RVD and Sabu. RVD and Sabu retain the belts after hitting the double top rope leg drops for a table. Again, really, really good TV match. Definitely worth watching the last two weeks of TV for the month. We then finish the show with amazingness, which we will end today's show with. So you'll hear all of it once the credits roll for today, where Gertner tells us that the Dudleys have gone home, that he has brought us Gertner vision, and gives us a history lesson on the public enemy. At this point, we hear the hot stepper, and out come the Dudleys dressed as the public enemy. Bubba is doing his absolute best Johnny Grunge, um, and he says that the public enemy did everyone wrong as they have no-showed and are afraid. This is comedy gold, and just as we think it can't be topped, out come the real public enemy and they beat down the Dudleys as we go off air. Ryan, public enemy, memorable. homecoming. Memorable. Yes. That's 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 the word, memorable. Um, just everything, everything about this segment is everything wrestling is all about. Uh, returns. Impressions, comedy, great mic work. I I love it. <laughs> Billy, yeah, the way they built this up over two weeks of TV was just tremendous. You know, they kept teasing you and teasing you, and you did really think maybe the public enemy, you know, didn't have the balls to show up, and maybe you know, all that Ted Turner money, you know, they were kind of comfy laying about in their mansion, but no, they eventually showed up and fingers crossed we've got more of this coming because uh, I'm all in on a uh, public enemy versus Dudley boys feud. Yeah, uh, obviously I know we said in the news that in in house the reaction didn't seem great and obviously that they weren't, the public enemy weren't overly happy with how it was live. On TV, it looked as though they got, a banging reaction. People were waving the arms for both the Dudleys coming out to Hot Stepper and then when they did. So, you know, all in all, as a visual for TV, they do look like they've, you know, they've come back as hot shit. Um, and it's the first time that there's a team 
in ECW for a while that can go at the Dudley's level um, in a way of they're both sort of the same sort of thing. They've both got, they could do the hardcore shit, but they can also actually have proper wrestling matches as well. So it's, it's one of those, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what they're doing. Obviously I know they're probably not going to be around for long, but if you can get a couple of decent matches in a pay-per-view blowout with the Dudleys and the public enemy, I'll take that. So that brings us to a close for the month. As always, rate, review on iTunes and any other podcast thing that you listen to because obviously algorithms are wonderful things. And the more people, um, one thing we have found, if you unsubscribe and then resubscribe, it kicks it in as a new subscription and it bumps us up the ratings and gets, you know, gets us in the algorithms i don't know how it works it just it just does um and obviously if you want more from us every month we have patreon specials which you can get for the wonderfully low price of five dollars a month with that you will also get early access to all the shows you can get that just for one dollar but if you want the monthly specials you do have to hit the five dollars here um this month we have had the uh free royal rumble match breakdowns and also we have had the uh, takeover special from the nxt takeover for this month and if you think last month we had a plethora of specials on there including a free download of the wrestling album so you know it is well worth your five dollars and you do get stuff for it um it just leaves me to thank billy thank you very much for joining us tonight have you got anything that you want to pimp yeah, just uh, you can. Oh, just for, oh, first of all, say thanks, Chris, for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure, never a chore. And uh, obviously, this is my last ECW podcast after I made, you know, bad comments about Lance Storm and uh, RVD. Uh, I've enjoyed watching ECW. It's going to be sad that I'm never going to be allowed back on. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not, you know, you did sort of pull yourself back out of it a little bit. So, you know. Oh, I might get okay. You're not completely on the shit can list. Okay, I'm all oh, good. I, that's that's what I like to hear. I haven't been completely shit canned. Uh, I could drop the Jeff Jarrett reference, and then I could prep completely get shit canned. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, you can follow me on the Twitter. Uh, I am Billy underscore J eighty three. If I remember on there, yeah, give me a follow if you want to talk about uh, British wrestling. Uh, Old school wrestling or any New Japan, Pure, whatever, whatever you fancy uh, in pro wrestling, I'll more than likely make silly jokes about it. <laughs> and yeah. thank you very much, Ryan Swanson, for coming on for your very, very first show. Um, it has been fun. Uh, it's nice to have, as I said earlier on, uh, someone stateside's view on the product and the show. Uh, have you got anything that you want to pimp, share, plug away? Um, well, first off, I want to say that, that this was an awesome experience. Like, the 20 years concept is just remarkable. I, I love it. And uh, being a part of it was an absolute joy. And I appreciate both of your very intelligent opinions and, and remarks on everything. Um, I guess, I guess I'll, I could plug my Twitter. Um you can follow me at Bukaman WWE. I mostly talk about wrestling, like 95% of my 
things about wrestling. Sometimes something will annoy me during the day, and I'll comment on it. <laughs> but other than that, it's, it's basically all uh, wrestling stuff, and not not WWE stuff, but usually it's retro and nostalgia. So, um, and I have some really interesting pictures. If you scroll through my pictures on my Twitter feed, it's it's a blessing to look at because <laughs> I find all the rarities of of wrestling and uh, watching ECW '99 really brought that out of me. So. I want to thank and you. Guys. You're more than welcome, and uh, we will keep you on the roster as long as you want to be on there and get oh, you yeah, into rotations. Man. So, just leaves me to, as always, tell you that if you have ears and you like music, to listen to Show and Tell with Tunes and get your weekly podcast playlist of joy. Um, we are coming up to our second birthday in the beginning of February, which has a super special playlist set up for that and we're not far off episode 150 as well which will be another awesome one and as per normal if you know you listen to this and want to tell me about the music that you like give me a shout um you can get me personally at lacy555666 for all things modern wrestling and just random shouting about football and obviously <laughs> for show and tell with tunes it is s tell with tunes on the Twitter too. Um, obviously, follow the show's Facebook at Wrestling 20 Years Ago and on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. As I said, Volume 1 this month is WWF Royal Rumble with that title match and WCW is Volume 2 with that title match on Nitro. <laughs> and until next month, I bid you all adieu. Devon and Big Dick Dudley have left the building. They were so disgusted over the fact that a tag team that they challenged wouldn't show up here and stand eye to eye with them, that instead of getting that match, right now, you are going to be treated to Gertner Vision. What? <laughs> the year was 1995. The place, South Philadelphia. Crackheads roamed the town. This man's mother was on the corner selling herself. And for all intents and purposes, the pro wrestling industry, compared to the way it is now, was in the toilet. And who ruled the roost here in ECW but the public enemy? Stand up so you can have your 15 seconds in the sun. Stand up. In late 1995, I sat right there and rang a dilapidated old bell. And I have vivid memories of the public enemy here in ECW. Oh, such fond memories as I'm sure all of you have. Rocco Schlock and Johnny Pudge. I like them just as much as you. I loved Rocco Rock's 
Vanilla Ice impersonation. Wasn't he the greatest? He came out here and attempted to give you the best match he could. And although he usually failed, effort does mean something. As far as Johnny Grunge, vivid memories of him too. As after the show, I would go back, get changed, and who would walk by me but Johnny Grunge, in dire, desperate need of a shower, stinking with body odor, smelling like the deepest, innermost reaches of the asshole of a 75-year-old dead skunk with coyote on its breath. Thank you, thank you very much, Joe, for a very entertaining edition of Gertnervision. We'll be back with something more relevant, I assure you. Paul, do coyotes really have put... Gertner is still in the ring doing Gertnervision. Paulie answered my questions about the sexual anatomy of coyotes. I don't feel so bad for Wiley anymore. We figure Joel might actually say something amusing that we don't have to edit. I know this because I've wasted the last five hours of my life here on Swanson and Rittner, waiting for them to show up. And they're not here. And you people are about to figure out right now that you should be careful what you wish for, because we just might get it.
the piece of deal. This is about as close as seeing the public enemy as you will ever come to. I told you once, I'll tell you again, and I wish I could see every one of you looking into every, nobody walked in the door, don't worry about it. I wish I could look into every one of your eyes, and I'm gonna try and do it right now. Please believe me when I tell you, the Dudley boys didn't do you wrong, and as much as this kills me to say it, not even Paul Heyman did you wrong. The public enemy did each and every one of you wrong because they didn't want to answer the challenge because they were afraid that Bischoff might fire them or they were afraid that if they came here, Vince wouldn't hire them. They were afraid that if they did show up, they may get hurt. And you know what the biggest thing they were afraid of is? No, no, seriously. Listen, I'm being serious for once with you people. The biggest thing they were afraid of was if they walked through that curtain, that you people wouldn't welcome them back. And they couldn't stand that. And I swear before you right now, of the greatest tag team that ever stepped foot in this ring. That if the public enemy were here tonight, the last voice they would hear is ours, proclaiming that for the first time and the last time, the public enemy is dead. Fine, fine, we got it.